You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 676 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday evening. And the Hawks flopped in a big way this evening, um, losing by a final score of 136 to 102 in Chicago. If you listen to the podcast, uh, both yesterday and the previous podcast, you will probably note that I tried to give a disclaimer to some degree about how hard this matchup was going to be for Atlanta schedule-wise. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I will say even with that caveat, there's no excuse to lose to the Bulls by 34 points. It was a complete flop. In the second half, and for honestly most of this game, I would say from the end of the second quarter on, it was pretty ugly for Atlanta. Excusable in some respects given the situation, but you can't go lose 34 by 34 points to a Bulls team that's not very good this year. And um, particularly after the way that um, Tuesday night happened in Miami, there's lots to uh, get to on today's podcast. By the way, if you missed yesterday's show, I did a longer than usual solo podcast about what happened and all the craziness that happened on Tuesday in Miami. So check that out if you missed it, and please subscribe to the podcast. But with that said, let's get into the game that happened uh, on Wednesday. I, I expect there'll be a lot less attention paid to this one because of the margin, uh, but I wanted to at least talk about it in the way that we normally do on the podcast. So um, to set the stage a little bit for what transpired here, the Hawks were on the third game in four nights, all on the road, as brutal of a stretch as you can probably get, particularly because there's about a 1,300-mile flight between Chicago and Miami where they were on Tuesday. The Hawks got to the hotel about 3 a.m. Central Time and had to play that night while the Bulls um, had all day on Tuesday to rest. So already a disadvantage, and that kind of led to the Hawks being six-and-a-half-point underdogs against Chicago. Obviously, that was not high enough. But for context, the Bulls had lost six of eight and actually three straight games. The Bulls have not been good this year. I was wrong about the Bulls. Actually, was pretty high on them relative to the market coming into the season. I was very wrong about them. But in this game, they looked great because the Hawks did not look very good. Um, no injuries for Atlanta. That was one of the bright positives. If you want to find one in this game, there was no injuries coming in. There were two minor ones, hopefully minor ones, I should say, um, during the game that we'll talk about. But uh, nothing other than John Collins on the injury report. Um, but you know, as I said on Twitter and also before this game. You know, it is a, this, there are schedule losses in the NBA. This probably was a schedule loss for the Hawks, but because of what happened on Tuesday, no one in the fan base is going to want to hear about that. So I totally understand that. And um, honestly, the Hawks kind of removed the excuse by the way they played in this game. If they had lost this game by 10 points in respectable fashion, I would have talked about extensively about how bad the schedule was. And it still was bad. It's worth noting, but. Losing my 34 points is bad enough. Okay, to the game itself. Um, early on, it was kind of a back-and-forth ugly start for both sides. There was a clear path review about 70 seconds into the game that always uh, grinds the game to a halt. Um, pretty ugly basketball on both ends of the floor, other than a couple of high-level passes from Trey Young to create easy buckets for uh, D- Damian Jones and Jabari Parker. There was a 9-1 run by Atlanta, the best stretch of the night, honestly, in retrospect for the Hawks. There were a couple of, um, I-, I would say, a couple of... Uh, positive stretches, but the best one in terms of the of the actual scoreboard was a 9-1 run to take a 15-11 lead. There's a nice block by DeAndre Hunter, a three from Cam Reddish, and a dunk by Alex Len, who was very good, particularly in the first half of this game. Trey Young had six assists in the first eight and a half minutes. 
the combination of Len and Reddish combined. They come. They combined for 18 points in their first about six minutes of play together. Len, uh, Len had 10 points on five of five shooting, and then Reddish had eight points on his own on three of three shooting, include a pair of threes. So there was the bench that kind of carried the Hawks. Other than Trey Young's passing, there was the bench that carried the Hawks in the first quarter and a half or so. There was a brief Evan Turner sighting. Um, worth noting in this game that DeAndre Bembry basically got a DNP. I think the plan pretty clearly was to have Bembry not play at all in this game, which was a bit of a surprise. It would have been his first DNP of the season, but he came in late because of the margin. It was an all-garbage time lineup with Bembry and Parsons and Turner at the very, very end of the game, but Bembry was not in the rotation in this game, which is worth pointing out. Um, but then uh, the runs started coming for the Bulls. The, the first big haymaker from Chicago was a 14-0 run near the end of the first quarter to go up by six points. The Hawks had, the Hawks had led by as many as eight points in the first quarter, but um, major trouble getting stops pretty much throughout the game, but especially during that one run. The Hawks were up by five when Trey Young went to the bench for the first time, and when he came back in, they were down by six. So that was a huge run of 11 points at the end of the uh, first quarter, and that ended up proving kind of pivotal. The, the Bulls shot 64% from the floor in the first quarter. I will say there was one really weird stretch when Denzel, Denzel Valentine hit a bunch of like weird floater runner shots um, that kind of were backbreaking in some respects that were not high. Not, not, I wouldn't call them high percentage shots, not awful shots, but just they, he, he, made, he made them all. And even Pierce referenced those after the game as kind of a weird stretch in the game. Um, in the second quarter, it was a lot of back and forth for most of the second quarter. Um, the Bulls pushed ahead um, briefly by nine points, but then Atlanta did get it back to four uh, with about two and a half, three minutes to go in the second quarter. But then a uh, sort of a backbreaker. Lloyd Pierce referenced the fact that the game they actually lost control of the game at the end of the second quarter. I would agree with that. It was a 10-0 run by the Bulls to close the second quarter on a buzzer-beating dunk as well to go uh, to put the lead up to 14 for Chicago, and the game was never close again from that point forward. It should have been a foul on Chris Dunn, just for the record, um, on the on the steal that created the uh, final possession and the dunk, but still it was kind of a collapse for the Hawks at the end of the first half. It ended up being pretty big in uh, deciding what was going to happen after halftime. One note I wanted to get to now, DeAndre Hunter left the game with about three and a half minutes to go in the first half with what the Hawks were calling a right shoulder strain, not sprain, but strain with a T. Um, he did he did return, started the second half, so I hope that means it's pretty it's pretty good diagnosis, but I was not there, of course, so we'll see what he's listed at for Friday's game. Um I want to note this. Uh, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do this now. It was a big first half for Alex Len. He made a three for the third straight game. He had 15 points in the first half. He was a pretty big bright spot. I talked about his first quarter earlier, but kind of the entire first half, he was the biggest bright spot for the Hawks offensively. But in the second quarter, the Hawks shot six of 21 from the floor with five turnovers and uh, pretty ugly there. The Hawks' starting lineup was one of 11 from three before halftime. Um, second half obviously de- obviously got worse in many respects. There was a nice positive start with back-to-back dunks from Damian Jones, off passes from Troy Young to open the second half, get, got the lead to 10, but that from that point forward, there wasn't a whole lot to be positive about. Um, Jabari Parker got, got his right hand tangled up early in the third quarter, but actually came back in the game pretty quickly, so we'll see what the injury was there. But he was uh, the Hawks had to burn a timeout to get him off, off, off the court based on the fact that he was uh, favoring, favoring that right hand, so I'm sure there was an injury of some sort there that we'll hear about after the game, but um, an 8-0 run by the Bulls to break the game open in some respects, going up by 19 points. That was capped by a shot clock heave three by Thomas Sadoransky that was that was uh, pretty brutal, honestly, if you're a Hawks fan. I can't imagine. Uh, that was kind of a backbreaker, and uh, it was a pretty bad shot that just happened to go in. Um, 
Back-to-back threes then from Zach Levine to go up by 22 points, and uh, from that point forward, it was basically over. Bruno Fernando came in the game when garbage time happened. Um, a couple of threes from Alan Crabb that were good, um, bright spots in the third quarter. He's actually 8 of 16 from three in his last uh, handful of games. Good to see him making some shots there, but there wasn't too much going on in the way of positivity down the stretch. The Hawks did get, did get, did get the uh, margin to 17 late in the third, um, but that was as close as it was going to get. The final run um, happened... Um, early, I would say, in the fourth quarter, a 17-3 to run that basically ended the game, put the Hawks down by 30 points after they had trailed by 16 briefly in the fourth quarter. Um, there was a uh, lineup the Hawks used that was a small ball with Jabari, Jabari at the five trying to get some offense on the court. They just couldn't get stops the entire game. It didn't really matter what the alignment was. Um, they just could not get stops throughout the contest, and that was uh, kind of the big theme. As, as I said before, the garbage time was extended in this spot, and there's no reason to really dive into that right now. Um, you know, Numbers-wise, the Hawks' defensive numbers look a little bit better than they actually were. Um, before the garbage time situation, the Hawks were about at, at about a 135 defensive rating or so, ended at about 127. That's still absolutely terrible against a bad Bulls team. Um, no way around that. The Hawks just could not get stops. Lloyd Pierce said this after the game, and I, I definitely echoed it throughout the contest as well. But the Hawks' defense was the problem. The offense was not good um, by its standards or any standards, but the offense was simply, you know, slightly bad, like pretty bad, whereas the defense was absolutely terrible. Throughout the contest, that was not a huge surprise if you look at the box score and the scoreboard in this game at 136-102, but the defense was so bad and they just had no opportunities to keep things close. Um, even with a great offensive game, they probably would have lost because of the fact that defense just could not get stops throughout the game. A 95 offensive rating is pretty bad at the end of the day, but again, some garbage time built in there. The Hawks scored 15 points in the fourth quarter, and it was over by then anyway. So first three quarters, the offense was acceptable-ish. Still probably below average, but not um, not absolutely terrible. Um, Atlanta shot 42% from the floor, 34% from three. 23 turnovers is a lot. Um, there were nine of those in the fourth quarter that was, again, pretty much garbage time. So keep your guard up with that a little bit. But offensively, it wasn't great. Defensively, it was an absolute disaster. Zach Levine going 7-for-7 seven seven from three is a little bit fluky and a little bit bad, but um, you know he's a good shooter, and some of those were open looks. You probably expect him to make three or four of those, but even with that said, they lost by 34 points. So yeah, keep you know I just want to at least point that out that there was some bad luck in a couple of the threes that the Bulls made, but just some bad execution throughout this contest from Atlanta and an unacceptable performance on the whole. Um, we will come back, as we always do, and talk about some individual player performances in just a few seconds. But um, before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsors. All right, we're back to talk about the individual play in this game. And if you have not noticed already, this is going to be shorter than yesterday's podcast, which was kind of an all-timer in terms of length for a solo show anyway. For me, this is not going to be that, and my apologies for that, but not, not as much to talk about on this night. Um, off the bench, a couple of guys has only played in garbage time, but actually played eight minutes for Parsons and Membry. I don't want to have – I better really talk about with those guys because they just didn't play a ton, and it was all garbage time. Bembry not playing is worth noting, to be sure. I don't think I love that. I think Bembry should be playing, but I also understand why he wouldn't be. It goes back to the offseason and what we talked about um, on this podcast. That when, every, when everyone was healthy, they kind of need Alan Crabb shooting, and I think Bembry's a better player, but um, as a fourth wing spot, um, they're obviously going to be playing Hunter, Reddish, and Herter at every game because those guys are important in the future, and also Hunter. in the case of Hunter and Herter, their best options right now. But, you know, Bembry is kind of the odd man out in some respects. We saw that in this game, and we'll see if he bounces back to the rotation at some point. But just circle that one. Parsons, obviously nothing else to say about that. Evan Turner had the one stint in the first half that was very quiet. I'm okay with him not playing, too. It's the same thing. You know, Kevin Herter as backup point guard is a better look, in my opinion, than having Turner. And Turner, with the way that he's moving or not moving, is not the greatest situation for him either. 
Elsewhere on the bench, Alan Crabb, I said before, two or four from three. That's kind of all he did. A couple of nice energy plays defensively, but was not all that good other than the shooting, but the shooting is valuable at times. Um, Bruno Fernando, I thought was pretty terrible in this game. 13 minutes for Bruno, didn't play a ton. And again, pretty much garbage time. By the time he came in for the first time, the game was almost over. It was in the 20s in terms of the lead. It wasn't absolutely over yet in the way that it was when Bembry and Parsons came in. But Fernando was bad. He kind of didn't know what he was doing. The effort level was, was not great there. I don't know if he let, if he let down based on the fact that the Hawks were kind of out of it when he came in the game. But as a second-round rookie, you want to see better effort for sure from Bruno. I, th- I thought he was pretty bad when he came in. Um, the two guys on the bench that weren't terrible in this game were Cam Reddish, 4 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 9 from 3, 16 points, 6 rebounds for Cam, and a block shot. You know, he started off well. I, there were a couple of bad misses on shots. You know, every time I want to say that Cam's turning the corner as a shooter, in the first half of this game, I think he was two of three from three, uh, one of six after the, ha- after the half, and a couple of just really bad misses, at least one air ball that I saw. So a little bit shaky in that respect. I thought Cam at least played decently, though, in the overall sense in this game. The numbers back that up for the most part. And then Alex Lynn, it was pretty much all in the first half, but 17 points, five rebounds, three assists for Alex. He's the best center on the court by a wide margin for Atlanta. No, no big surprise there, but he was efficient. Mays only three-point attempt, and uh, Lynn continues to play pretty well in this reserve role. To the starters, uh, not much going on in the positive way. Kevin Herter probably had his worst game since he's uh, come back in full force uh, of, of the last three anyway. Nine points, four, four assists for Kevin. I think he, was, he wasn't bad, but only one of six from, the floor, from three, I should say, and uh, two or three on two-point shots. You know, he, he wasn't the problem, but also wasn't a massive solution in this game. Damian Jones, 14 minutes, four fouls, 10 points, had a couple of big dunks, but other than that, pretty quiet, and defensively, he was sort of a turnstile. Uh, after what I thought was a pretty good performance last night defensively for Damian, it was pretty bad in this game. Um, at the forward spots, DeAndre Hunter, pretty quiet night for him after the breakout performance on Tuesday when he had 28 points, only six points in this game. Did have the shoulder injury that happened late in the first half that might have hampered him a little bit after the halftime break, but just not as prolific. Two of nine from the floor, 0 of four on twos for DeAndre, which is something you want to definitely circle. But um, he wasn't terrible, just wasn't great either. Jabari Parker and his uh, return to Chicago, 11 points, seven rebounds, a couple of nice moments in the first half, cooled off after that, and uh, we'll keep an eye on his hand injury that I think happened, although he never actually came out of the game, but he was definitely being examined by Chelsea Lane after they had to call the timeout in the second half. And then finally, Trey Young, um, probably, you know, one of his quieter games as a scorer this season. Um, 13 assists speaks for itself. Obviously, uh, seven turnovers is too many as well, but um, playmaking-wise, Trey still had his uh, still had his juice in this game, and 13 assists is uh, nothing to sneeze at under any circumstances. But against Chicago, I don't know if it's defense, I don't know if it's Chris Dunn, who, you know, Young famously torched last year for the big 49-point game and the four-overtime game, but this year, uh, Dunn, and Young, Dunn and Young do not like each other, which I think is pretty evident. But um, in the two games against Chicago this season, it's a very small sample size. I don't really care about this, but I want to at least point it out. Twenty-four, Only 24 points in the two games combined for um, for Young against against the Bulls this season. 7-26 on the floor and 1-14 from three. There's some noise in there, obviously, with the sample size. But Chris Dunn is a good defender. They have a couple guys to throw at him. And Trey didn't really have it going as a scorer in this game. It wouldn't have mattered because nothing else was going all right <laughs> offensively. And again, he had 13 assists. He was by far the offensive engine and the guy who was creating all the good looks for all the for all the big guys in this game. But he just didn't have the scoring um, going on. And if he doesn't have it going right now, the Hawks are in big are in big trouble, which is not his fault. He should be allowed to have an off night as a scorer every once in a while. It's just going to be the case. Um, not everybody can have 60 percent true shooting throughout the entire season. It's probably going to cool off a little bit. But um, you know, he, the Hawks just can't afford it right now. And again, it was not. It was not on him in any way, shape, or form in this game. Everybody else was not great either, but um, he'll have better nights offensively. So, all that to say, um, a bad performance from the Hawks. You know, I am not the sky is falling kind of guy 
on the podcast. I know I'm not known as the, as the biggest optimist either when, when things are going right. I'm kind of usually in the middle on most things. My mentions have been kind of a disaster for two straight days now. You know, Tuesday night I understood it. I, I understand it tonight too. The Hawks were just, they were bad in this game. There's nothing, there's nothing I want to say about it. I'm always going to caution people against going too far because, again, this is a game that I did not think the Hawks were going to win coming into the game. I, I'm not going to tell you that the Bills are so much better than the Hawks because they're absolutely not. But the way the game set up, it was uh, it was kind of bad from the start, and by the time things kind of spun out of control, there was no there, there were no more legs from Atlanta to get back into the game. So, all that to say, a tough sled ahead for Atlanta here Friday night against the Pacers. I am not high on Indiana compared to the compared to the, to the consensus by any means, but the Pacers will still be favored solidly even on the road um, against the Hawks on Friday night. That's a winnable ish game, I would I would imagine for Atlanta, but still one they're going to have to play very very well in in order to win. And then Sunday. At home against the Lakers, the Lakers are playing out of their minds right now. So unless there's something weird happens there for an injury or something like that, that's a pretty tough spot. And uh, that's the one game on the calendar you can kind of assume that Lakers fans are going to take over the building and it won't be a huge home court advantage for Atlanta either. So, yeah, um, not the most friendly schedule ahead. And the Hawks are 6-19 six, six on the season. We will come back and talk much more about things in the next couple of days. I have a guest lined up for Thursday. I don't, I don't like to um, advertise who guests are ahead of time just in case something happens with those guests and they follow through. But the plan for now anyway is to uh, record with that um, special guest on Thursday evening and then have a new podcast up for your Friday morning commute. If that does not happen for whatever reason, the next time you'll hear from me will be Friday night after the game. I will be in the building for Hawks Pacers on Friday at State Farm Arena. I'm sure there are tickets available. We're getting closer to uh, that game being uh, happening and of course the Christmas break is going to be upon us a tough matchup for the Hawks but um listen I, I uh yeah I'll try to be positive sometimes but tonight I don't really have it in me the Hawks played terribly in this game and I will leave you with just that at this point in time thank you for listening to the podcast as always please tell a friend please subscribe to the show please leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the program and we'll see everybody at the very very latest on Friday